When I say reach, if someone sees it on a platform that they visit, like TikTok or YouTube or Instagram, and they're just constantly getting seeing my brand, that activates recall. If someone's talking about my brand, even just in that moment, that means I'm top of mind for them. And then if someone is sharing that, that means the content was engaging and relatable enough that they wanna share it with a friend because they saw value in that piece of content. You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? In short, it's going to be a good time. We're going to have great conversation and there's going to be a little bit of learning along the way through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I am here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. Today, in this episode, we are covering social media strategy with Shana Macklin. Now, she's an experienced marketer with over 10 years of expertise in social strategy, influencer programming, and branding. She has worked in-house and on the agency side of various industries such as entertainment, beauty, and CPG. Recently, she joined the fast fashion brand Rainbow Shops, leading their social strategy rebrand and spearheading their first ever influencer and content creator programs. Today, we're going to roll up our sleeves and talk some social strategy. So let's talk marketing with Shana Macklin. Shana, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast. I am over the moon excited to have you on here. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. You know you are like one of my favorite people in the whole world. So I'll take that. You are one of mine. And then after listening to this episode, everyone will now know why. Today, we are going to dive into social media strategy. But before we do that, let's get to know you a little bit. So I'd like to know what was your first marketing role and what is your current marketing role? So at the ripe old age of 27, I decided to get into marketing and I actually took an internship at 27, just started my marketing career and I was doing PR and marketing and some editorial for a magazine in New York. And recently, my current position, 12 years later, is I'm director of brand strategy and influencer marketing for a fashion company. Which is huge. I'd love to learn a little bit about what you currently do in your current role. What do you love about what you do? But I also conversely want to know, what's that one thing that you would pluck out if you could? So first, let's start with what you love. You know, what I love the most about what our industry is about is it's about change. It's about trend. It's about opportunity. It's about getting to experiment with your creativity, right? So we can test and learn. We can try all of these amazing things online. Things, again, they just move so quickly. So I feel like in marketing, when it comes to influencer, when it comes to social, you're not pigeonholed. You can try a million different things. And you get to explore different avenues and find what works for your brand. The other thing that I also love is, again, because it's moving so quickly, you can shift strategy at any given time. So the possibilities are endless in terms of creativity. I think the one thing that I would remove from it, honestly, is unrealistic expectations of immediate success and growth. Any good plan takes time. And when it's executed properly, it may not be an overnight success. There's a saying that 
any overnight success had a 10-year ramp-up period. And I feel like that can be true when it comes to marketing and brand strategy and brand awareness and influencer programs. It takes time to really build out and learn things. So jumping into it thinking, okay, we're going to do this and it's going to get us X right away is just, I think we need to remove that and lean more into patience, right, with our programs. Oh, preach, sister. The the bane of any marketer's existence is really balancing out those expectations. Like this is a really great idea. And I also, and we'll probably get into this too, but I feel like virality nowadays is also blurring the lines even more when it comes to setting up realistic expectations. Virality is amazing, but that's a peak. And you have to just be consistent in order to be successful. And you do have to be patient. So I love that you said it's setting the expectations because it's so true. And I think anybody who's a marketer that's listening can absolutely empathize and sympathize with that for sure. Now, as you said, this kind of landscape that we're in, it changes so quickly. So I would love to hear from a social network perspective, which ones, if any, do you go to to be inspired, entertained, and educated? Do you go to a social network for any of these things? I do. I am definitely your midnight scroller. (laughs) I'm the midnight and then the 6 a.m. scroller. So I would say for inspiration, because I am an avid traveler and I love photography. For me, it's going to be Instagram for inspo for entertainment. Obviously, it's got to be TikTok. For sure. And depending on the type of entertainment I'm looking for, it could also potentially be YouTube sometimes. Like for my travel bloggers who do these 30-minute travel blogs, I'm like, oh, I want to watch what they did in Guatemala. So I'm going to be on YouTube. And then for education, it's TikTok. I love TikTok. I really love it. It's an addictive platform, but there's so much that you can get out of it depending on what you're looking for. So I just, oh, I just love it so much. (laughs) I feel like it's hacking the education out of it, right? Because I also find, I don't know that I go to TikTok for education. I definitely go for entertainment, but I (laughs) do find that sometimes tips come up on my feed, on my For You page, or someone's giving you something that makes you then go down the rabbit hole of like, what do they mean by that? Oh, I want to try this. From a marketing perspective, it's freaking fantastic. I'm currently on the war path of <laughs> hacking chat GPT to really make it. Oh, girl, you and everybody else. Me I too. know. Learn some tips, share them. But that's what I'm doing. I saw something on TikTok that was like, well, I wanted chat GPT to be able to come up with responses that were more on my voice and tone. And so I went down this chat GPT rabbit hole of what are the prompts? How do you get to know that? So I love that the tips are what drives the further education as well too. So I love that. On the other end of the spectrum, how do you stay up to date on trends or not just necessarily social media trends, but just trends in marketing to begin with? Is there a newsletter? Are you part of a group? How do you stay up to date? All of the above and then some. So if you look at any of my email inboxes and I have a million of them, you will see marketing newsletters, Substacks, Reddits, podcast episodes. I mean, I am literally on every possible newsletter sign up and LinkedIn is amazing. TikTok's amazing for trends too. So because I love our industry so much, and I think other marketers listening, you'll agree, we're always learning, right? 
the learning never stops when you're in our industry. So I'm always like, okay, what's new? What's happening? Like, what am I missing out on? What can I educate myself on? And so I'm everywhere all at once. (laughs) Everywhere all at once. I think that was the movie. Well, then let's talk about that educating part. I've got you on here so that we can talk about social media strategy. Let's start with the basics. As a brand, how do you decide what networks you should tap into? I know that a lot of brands want to be everywhere. I tend to shy away from that as an advice, but what are your thoughts on that? Completely the same. When it comes to brand marketing, you have to be selective in where you're going to show up. Yeah. And because where you think your consumer might be, might not necessarily be the case. Like for us, Twitter doesn't make sense. For us, Twitch doesn't make sense. YouTube doesn't for on the brand side doesn't make sense. On the influencer side makes a lot of sense to activate on there. So for us, we're looking at really TikTok and Instagram, Facebook. Those are our main platforms that just make sense for us as a brand. I love that advice. What are some kind of common mistakes that you've seen happen when it comes to brands being on social media? Is it more of not sticking to their values and who they are? Is it not posting enough? What are some just kind of common mistakes that you see brands execute on social media? Honestly, it runs the gamut. I've seen them, yeah, not posting enough. I've seen them over posting. Oh, this is the biggest thing, not having different strategies for different platforms. Oh, yes. Oh, just like knife to the heart when I see that because I'm like, there's so much opportunity to speak and present your brand in a different way on TikTok versus Instagram. And sometimes I don't see brands really leaning into that. And I think in the long run, it's detrimental to brand growth and awareness because when I'm going to a certain platform, I'm looking for a different experience and I want to get to know the side of a brand in a different light. So that that's definitely the biggest thing is just not having different strategies for different platforms. I love that you said that. I couldn't agree more. A brand taking one video and thinking that they could copy and paste it in every single platform and actually get success or have successful campaigns from that is really going to be falling short on the success metrics when it comes down to it. Do you have some examples of a strategy for Instagram that works versus TikTok or LinkedIn? I feel like LinkedIn is the real obvious one. You probably wouldn't post a dance on LinkedIn, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like that's a very obvious example. Do you have examples of that as far as a solid strategy for Instagram? How does that look different for another platform? I can speak for us, right? Because every brand's going to have their own strategy that works well. So for us, our Instagram, people love to see style tips and tricks work really well for us. They love our flat lays. They do really well. We have such an inclusive brand. We have junior size, mid size. We have a huge curve community. So we like to highlight our curve community a lot. That content performs really well. And we love having color themes on our grid. And I know that's kind of 2013, but I'm an OG marketer. So I do loves me a good grid. Because so, <laughs> I'm like, it leads to the whole brand discovery experience, right? If someone is just coming onto my feed for the first time and they're like looking at the profile, they're like, oh, this looks really good. Let me click around and check out the content. Yeah. So that is a hill I will die on. I still stick to the grid. 
So it's more of that beautifully, aesthetically pleasing kind of content. Whereas TikTok, we can get a little more messy. We can be a little bit more risky and fun and let loose a little bit more and entertaining and funny and sassy and bring people into who we are as a brand and just have them get to know us as a personality versus just like, oh, I just go here to shop, but they're super invested. One brand that does really, really great job, actually two brands, Duolingo, which everyone always cites because they're just amazing on TikTok. And then the Empire State Building is really great. I'm going to have to follow that now. Oh, and Ryanair, forget about it. I'm obsessed. We need to go to Europe just so I can book a flight on Ryanair because I really love their brands, you know, just from all the TikToks that I watch that they do. So I think that is a place to give yourself permission to test and experiment and just be fun and just go for it. What I appreciate about what you're saying is it's tying social so much back to your brand and the feel of it. And While it may seem like looking at the grid is an old school tactic, it also speaks to your brand, right? You want them to have that experience. The experience is the full thing, not just a post. And that's very intentional. Whereas for another brand, maybe they don't care. Right. I've always liked those Instagram posts that are like the top three that are basically like puzzle pieces. It always drives me back to the grid. And if you're going to be intentional in that way, that grid better look really aesthetic. Yeah, that's such a good strategy too. I know a lot of brands used to do that like back in the day. Let's bring that back too. Let's bring it back, people. Let's bring it back. How creative can you be? But it speaks to the fact that you're talking about Instagram being a little bit more polished and TikTok being a little bit more raw. Instagram is like the formal family dinner and TikTok is like spilling tea Yes. After the family dinner conversation. Like, let me show you what happened at family dinner that you were not aware of. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. And I think what it comes down to is tying back into brands, which is don't activate at 10% with anything that you do. So, and this is a conversation that we're having internally where I am now. So we're activating influencer. We're trying to revamp our social, but what else are we doing? We need to revamp the website a little bit. We need to get involved in experiential. We need to just start triggering on all these other efforts because social and influencer is one piece of the puzzle. Yes. And when you think about your marketing matrix as a whole, it all ties in together. And I think too, laddering back up to the mistake thing, I see brands just not going 100%. They're doing a little bit here, a little bit there, but that's also something to keep in mind is you have to fire at 100. If you're going to go in for it and go all out, go all out. Yeah. It's the only way it's really going to work because then people will be like, well, what is this brand about? I don't understand. There's like a disconnection between what I'm seeing on social versus what's in the newsletter versus what's on the website versus the influencers that they're working with. So it just everything has to marry in together. Yeah. What you're talking about also, maybe I'm hungry because all of my analogies (laughs) are very food focused right now. I like to shake up the dinners, right? Because I'm thinking, oh, they're going to be really bored with the same cycle of recipes over a course of a week. I can't continue to make that, right? My assumption is that they will be bored with it. So I've got to be spicy one day and Italian and another day and Greek maybe. I feel like people think other people want variety, but I think what they want is consistency because that's the feedback that I hear. Yes. But I really like this recipe. I could eat that every single week. It is much more about the consistency part 
of it. And yeah. you want to be able to step in everywhere. That's why we have taglines. That tagline should be everywhere, but in the way that you're creating the content and the way that you amplify it on the different social platforms, email, website, to your point is going to be slightly different because it's going to be slightly different. Of course. Yeah. So how are you measuring the success of social media then? Because you talked about executing it, also being patient. So talk about success. What should I be looking at? Is it different for all platforms? Is this an overall social media strategy equal success? So I'm going to approach it from an overall standpoint. And obviously the goal is always click through to sales, click through, add a cart, add a cart. But I think when we look at it on a more nano level, we just really hone in. It's going to be looking at the funnel as a whole. So we have the awareness, we have the intense consideration, and then the action. So when I look at our socials, depending on what the KPI is for the month or for a specific post, I generally look at reach, mentions, and shares. So when I say reach, if someone sees it on a platform that they visit, like TikTok or YouTube or Instagram, and they're just constantly getting seeing my brand, that activates recall. If someone's talking about my brand, even just in that moment, that means I'm top of mind for them. And then if someone is sharing that, that means the content was engaging and relatable enough that they want to share it with a friend because they saw value in that piece of content. So that's why I I frame it. It's the reach, it's the mentions and the shares. Yeah, I love that. Reach is something that you look at from a billboard perspective. This is how many eyeballs had the opportunity to see my brand. And there is a ton of value when it comes to that. I am curious because I think a lot of people have said this, that organic social is dead. What are your thoughts on like organic social? And it's almost like they're like, organic social is dead. Why even do it? Which seems like such a bonkers idea. (laughs) I know. Personally, I don't think organic social is dead. I think the way people are interacting with organic social has changed. Yeah. And there's more brands, more people on social than ever. And there's more competition out there. And I believe that your organic strategy has to be strong, but you also have to marry that with a strong paid strategy as well to support that. So it's not taking an ad out on every post or boosting every post or whitelisting everything, but it's testing things out organically to see what does well. And then maybe turning those top performing pieces of content into ads or boosted posts or whitelisting them. You know, I think we can continue to look to organic to tell us what we should be doing, what we should be talking about, what people are interested in. I mean, TikTok is a great example of how organic is alive. I mean, yes, it's the algorithm. The algorithm has to push it out. But outside of brands, people aren't paying to get their content out there. They're just posting it. And sometimes, like we were saying earlier with virility, it's going to go viral and people are going to love it. And it's an organic piece of content. So For me, organic is still just as important in terms of learning what my community likes just naturally without me pushing it with a paid media ad. Yes. I really appreciate the idea of organic indicating what you can do in your other marketing strategies. 
I do find oftentimes though, social influencer is like one team, right? That are always communicating with one another. But I often see in a marketing organization, the paid performance team is someone that's different. So the people who are running email, the people who are running website, they're all different. Are there some tips that you can give for marketers to help them with the communication between departments? So yeah, let's say I am on the social team. I see that something is popping off. What is that? Is there something in place so that you can really put more wood on the fire for that? Yeah, for sure. So we use Slack. We love Slack. Our external media partner is on our Slack channels. And we're constantly meeting every single week to talk about what's performing well on the paid side because they have their own initiatives that they're doing with creators. But then we'll say, hey, this post organically did really well. We're going to send it to you. And they're like, yeah, send it to us. We'll go ahead and put some spend behind it. So it's just either having a weekly touch base or being in a Slack channel and just having constant communication. Because yeah, I totally agree. At any company I've ever worked for, all the departments have been disconnected from one another. And there is that drop in communications. But yeah, I've definitely found that the Slack channel and the the weekly touch bases have been really helpful and really instrumental in terms of us seeing growth through paid and then also using continuing to use the organic as like a testing ground. That makes sense. And I think that's really great advice to have consistent communication between departments. And whether you have something to talk about or not on the weekly meeting, I would imagine we do because all marketers have something to say. We've all got opinions. We've been in the meetings between engineering and marketing. Oof. (laughs) No offense to my engineering friends who could be potentially listening, probably not, but just in case. (laughs) But I mean, to your point, I think we've solved it. Organic is definitely not dead. It's just maybe not being utilized in the most effective way possible to amplify your other social strategies, but also your marketing strategies as well. And having consistent communication between departments can be incredibly helpful to bridge that gap, right? Yeah. So you've got a piece of content that's popping off, but I'd love to hear a little bit about the content creation process for you. Is it a calendar that you guys are creating based on overarching themes as far as content creation? Give me a little peek behind the curtain. Yeah. So we plan content about five to six weeks out. We get together. So my influencer team, my social team, myself, we sit in a room. Oh, my creative team, my graphic designers will sit in a room for an hour and we'll be like, okay, June is coming up. What are some trending topics that we should be leaning into? And then I'll have my style director. What are pieces that we're going to see people wearing a lot of? What are the color schemes that we should be leaning into? So we meet for about an hour. And then my social media manager, she's incredible. She'll go back. We do a brain dump because I'm like, there's no bad ideas. Like everyone just throw out what you're thinking. Spaghetti on the wall. Yes. (laughs) So we'll just like brain dump everything. And then I'm like, hey, I trust you. Go ahead and pick out For us, we're posting three times a day on Instagram. And then we have stories that we're doing 
three days a week we post in stories and then like our reshows and things like that. So I'm like, go ahead and pick out some topics. Go ahead and pick out some of these themes that you think would do well on social. And then she'll start to plug in the calendar. Like we're going to do 30 reels. We're going to do 12 flat lays. We're going to do 10 carousels. So she starts to break it out. And then what we do too is just look for inspo because we're all on social all day. There's things that kind of trigger us. We're like, oh, we love this. What if we did this with a twist on that? So we also have an Instagram message thread that we're all in that we just send each other inspo all day. Like, hey, I saw this is cool. Do we think we can do something like this? Then we'll pull from that and she plugs it in. And then from there, we are really leaning in heavily to content creators right now. So we partner with about 40 to 50 content creators a month, and they're just creating content for our branded channel. And they're doing reels and stories. And the beauty of our program is that we're really letting the creator, like, of course, we're briefing them, but we're giving them carte blanche, right? We're saying, like, we love this about who you are on your feeds and your aesthetic. Just create something that feels natural to you. So we don't really give them too many parameters besides color scheme that we're looking for. But other than that, it's the creator's world. So we just let them create what feels right to them. And we were lucky to work with them. We post, I mean, our feed right now is, I would say, probably 80% creator content. It cracks me if I'm wrong. Did you say you guys post three times a day? We post three times a day on Instagram. Yeah. That is insane. I have some tea. So our competitors, who I will now mention, they're posting upwards of 10 to 15 times a day. 10 to 15 times a day. That's an enormous amount of content. As a former director of content and knowing exactly what it takes to create and post like that social stuff, I can see how you guys would want to leverage creators. That's a massive amount of content that gets posted out. And you're talking about planning six weeks in advance. I can't do fast math, but the number is high. And the thing is too, is like we stagger it out. So we'll have one set of creators batch the first two weeks. And then two weeks later, the next set of creators batch also because we're fast fashion. So our styles move so quickly. So in order to try and push out the most relevant styles and items, we try and break it up. But yeah, for us, it's been working really well. It's driven up our engagement and our community is really resonating with our new direction. We're doing a lot more lifestyle stuff and more aspirational pieces of content on Instagram. For our TikTok right now, we are maintaining because I have some exciting news. We are building out the Rainbow Studios content creator studio. So basically, it's going to be a 4,500 square foot creator studio in downtown Brooklyn at one of our rainbow locations. And we're going to be inviting creators in to make content. We're going to be hosting creator events, influencer events, stylist events with our style director. People can come in and she'll style them for if they're going on vacation. So it's educational things on how to dress for your body type. So we're really leaning into building a community of influencers, creators that we can then leverage on our social channels, on our website, and just have that overall experience tie in together. Oh my God, that's amazing. What a fantastic idea. Now I'm thinking from a social media, I've got my social media hat on. I'm like, think of all the behind the scenes that you can do with that studio. That's 
amazing. And that's what our TikTok is going to be dedicated to. So right now we're just maintaining until the studio, which has been a labor of love for six months. And so the studio is live in three weeks. So in June, so I'm super excited. And then it's going to be, like you said, all the behind the scenes, we're going to get to lean into funny, goofy content like us in marketing meetings, just really show our brand personality, really also to lean into New York culture. We're a New York-based company. So we're going to use that to leverage the city streets and do on-the-street interviews about fashion. Like it's just going to be such an entertainment channel for us. It's nothing like you've ever seen from our brand before. So I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Such a great idea. As a brand manager, right? You have to figure out how can I personify this brand? Like it's not just a name and obviously your products, like we're a feeling, right? And that's really tough. So what a great, fascinating idea. I also am a big fan of behind the scenes stuff, especially like behind the scenes of social because the end game, how do they even do that? So fascinating to me. Because people don't know what it takes. And honestly, unless you're in it, you don't know, right? And that's okay. But to your point, being able to see what goes into even just the smallest little flat lay photo shoot, it takes like two, three hours. You got to do the lighting. You got to do the pinning. It's crazy. So just so people can get an understanding of what it is we do and also make them a part of that story. Oh, I've always been such a big fan of making people part of the brand and giving them a voice, like giving our customers a voice. So we're going to also use that channel to get feedback about what collection should we launch? Do you like this design? Blah, 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 blah. So, oh my gosh, it's going to be incredible. I'm so excited. And what you just said about bringing them in and making them feel like they're part of a brand is I think the advantage or how social media has really evolved over the years. Like you're leveraging this tool to be more than just posting about the brand, right? Like you're breaking the fourth wall and bringing them in. And I think it's such a clever way to leverage social media for your brand. So anybody listening, like do it. <laughs> do it. Well, I thank you so much for your time. I've got one final question for you. If you knew then what you know now, what's the marketing advice that you give to yourself? You can't know everything and that is okay. Love that. You just can't. And I'm a big Brene Brown fan and she talks about shame and I would have such shame about asking for help because I'm like, I should know this, but how are you supposed to know what you don't know until you know it? You learn by asking questions and being okay to be vulnerable and be the person that raises their hand in the room. So it took me a long time to get to that point where even now I'm like, I don't know everything. Do you know the thing? Can you tell me the thing? (laughs) So it's just about being okay to be vulnerable in your career. And like I said, just asking the questions, knowing that the industry just changes so quickly. Just ask the question. It's okay. You can teach someone something and someone can teach you something. And that's what I love. I love that we're just all just learning together. And I think if you don't ask the question, you'll never learn. Yeah. Or if you don't Google the question. But I also like the idea of being vulnerable enough to ask. Yeah. But I think there's so much, this is going to be a whole other podcast episode, but there's a psychological safety that needs to be there so that you feel vulnerable enough to say like, ooh, I don't know this, you know? And I think the higher up you go, I also feel this very much so as a parent. 
you're the one that's in charge of this. You should know all the things, but we can all learn from one another. There's a lot of things that I just don't know that I was really reliant on my team to keep me apprised of. And I was never afraid of like, what, especially with TikTok, I was like, what does that mean? Our feeds are very (laughs) different. Very different feeds. Well, thank you so much. I love that you left us with this last bit of advice because I think it's going to be helpful for anybody that's listening. I've absolutely enjoyed our conversation as I knew that I would. Thank you so much. This is amazing. So much fun chatting with Shana about social media strategy. Obviously, we can definitely go down a rabbit hole. She's just a ton of fun. I do have some key takeaways for you. My first key takeaway is that when it comes to brand marketing on social media, it's important to be selective as to where you're going to show up because that should be based on where your consumers are. Some common mistakes that brands make include not posting enough, but also conversely, overposting. But the one that I think is the most important or most biggest mistake, that's probably not the best way to say it, but you get what I'm saying, is not having a different strategy for each of the platforms. It's important to have just a solid strategy for each platform tailored to the type of content that performs well for each. For example, Instagram content can be aesthetically pleasing and highlight the brand's style, while TikTok content can be a little bit more fun, entertaining, and showcase the brand's personality. Brands should really just work on experimenting and having fun with their content to truly connect with their audience on social media. Key takeaway number two, focus on consistency in social media, right? And it's consistency in presence and not just in posting. Whatever you're going to do, you have to be consistent across all mediums because that's going to be your brand experience. The grid on Instagram for example, is a valuable tool. Well, it can be a valuable tool for creating kind of that cohesive and intentional brand aesthetic while you can use TikTok to be a little bit more raw and informal, but the underlying message of your brand is the same. It's really important to activate all of your efforts at 100% and not just focus on one aspect of marketing. So the elements of kind of the brand's marketing matrix, if you will, include social media, It's website, experiential marketing, and influencer collaborations. There are obviously more, but those are just a few. And what we need to do is really marry them all together to create the consistency that we're talking about. It's not variety, it's consistency. Number three, success on social media should be measured on a funnel approach. And when I talk about the funnel, I'm talking about the marketing funnel, traditional awareness, consideration, and action. So you're going to want to be strategic with what and how you're posting based on where you're aiming at, honestly, in the funnel. I'm here to also say that organic social media is not dead, but the way people interact with it has definitely changed. It's important to have a strong organic strategy that can be supported by a strong paid strategy. And that communication between departments is going to be really key in achieving success. Consistent communication, weekly meetings, and using organic as a testing ground can all be helpful for growing success on social media. So you have to be able to leverage organic with a paid strategy 
to work those people who are your followers, your community down that marketing funnel. I'd love to hear what nuggets of insights you walked away with from today's episode. So definitely be sure to subscribe and share in all the platforms. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thank you to my podcast producers, Content Allies. You can check out the episode page to learn a little bit more about Shana. And you can also get a hold of me on LinkedIn. You can find me at Katya Allison. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic, but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off.